Welcome, welcome, buddy. Dave Stevens here coming to you from the home offices in Bristol, Connecticut. Well, we don't really have a home office because we're spaced all over the country. But hey, what do you think of this shirt? If you're on a podcast and you can't see this, but we have the Gary Stein and Steven shirts that are now in and you can get those. And uh, Troy will talk to us a little bit later about where you can get those shirts. And of course, I got to bring in my co-host all the way in Connecticut, Troy Geary. How are you doing today? Uh, we got a great show, a, 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 a golden type show for today. Oh, yes. Uh, this Minnesota boy, uh, like myself, I'm excited to talk to him today. Yeah, and it's going to be a great one. So let's go ahead and bring in our guest. If uh, you don't know who he is by the end of the show, you're going to know because he's an Olympic gold medalist. He's appeared in five consecutive Olympics, which, I mean, most athletes get one and they're done. Uh, John Schuster joining us from Wisconsin. John, uh, hey, you're a curling superstar, but you are an athlete. And uh, it's so great to have you on the uh, Gary Stein and Steven show. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for uh, designating me as an athlete. <laughs> yeah, we talk about that, you know, as far as what are sports. And if you, if you really look at the definition of sports and athletics, is a race car driver an athlete? You know, you, do you have to run a lot, you know, out there and be in great shape? No. Uh, uh, you know, as far as golf, do you have to be in great shape? No. But at curling, that looks like it's something we can all get on the ice and do. I mean, how did you get obviously so successful, but what got you started in curling? Yeah, my dad actually played in uh, in a Thursday night men's league up in Chisholm, Minnesota, where I was born. And, uh, and I would go watch with my mom. You know, she bribed me with, you know, the odd Dr. Pepper and they had pretty good popcorn up at the concession stand. So I kind of knew what it was. And, and I was a basketball player from a basketball town. And, uh, and yeah, about sixth grade, I had a teacher who had run the junior program and and he put a flyer out kind of at the end of the year after basketball season was, was season was over. And, uh, and I went there and, and gave it a try for the first time. And, and much like a lot of people who do curling, um, hooked from the, from the onset. Growing up in Northern Minnesota, like myself, uh, you have to be mentally tough being Iron Ranger. How has that helped you in your curling career? Uh, you know, I think, you know, everything of being up on the range, you know, it's very much working class. And, and when we were, you know, in, in school, like, you know, it was kind of education was a huge thing and sports were a big thing. And, and yeah, and I just, I think that mindset of, of working hard and, and achieving what you're trying to achieve was something that was instilled in us from a young age up on the iron range and, and something that, you know, has taken me, you know, far in my sport. And, and, you know, it is great to see, you know, the success that the U.S. can have in all their, you know, other sports. We take a look at the core sports for the Olympics and things like that. And maybe you guys don't get uh, enough credit, but uh, it, it's still an, an important sport. And in the last few years has really, really, really become successful internationally. Yeah, you know, curling has always been pretty big up in Canada. Uh, you know, there was over a million curlers at one point up in Canada. And I think that number is down a little bit up there, but. Uh, we're seeing just exponential growth here in the United States. And it's so fun to, to actually, you know, when I'd tell somebody, Oh, I went to the Olympics for curling or somebody say what you do. And they'd be like, uh, what's curling and have to explain it. And now it seems like, you know, tell somebody that, you know, you're a curler, maybe I don't even have to say it. Cause they, you know, have facial recognition of, of myself. So, 
uh, we've seen the sport come a long ways in the last 20 years since I've been, you know, lucky enough to represent our country, you know, five straight Olympics. And, and yeah, it, it makes it where we're much closer to being, you know, we're at least a mainstream Olympic sport now, not just this little novelty that was in the Olympics, you know, at the very beginning, like it was. Describe the feeling of representing the U.S. for the first time and winning your first uh, medal bronze in 26 or 2006. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I think as an athlete, you know, the best, the, the thing that you can get the most honor out of is, is representing your country, you know, at an Olympic games or even at an international competition. And uh, the first time walking through the opening ceremonies in 2006 out in Torino, uh, I distinctly remember floating. I don't remember walking. It was, it was being walking out with all the amazing athletes from our country and, you know, Olympic champions and future Olympic champions and the Sean whites of the world, you know, he was going to his first Olympics. Uh, you know, that was kind of an out of body experience and, and then going to the Olympics and, and nobody gave us much of a chance, you know, to medal. And, uh, and there we were, you know, we, we knew that we had a chance because the previous year world championships, you know, we had, we were very successful. We finished like fifth place and, uh, and yeah, so standing on the podium was was kind of life changing for me a couple of ways, though, because, you know, you got this crazy honor of getting an Olympic medal for your country, wearing your country's colors, seeing the flag go up there. But, you know, that was really what ignited the fire for me and the rest of my career, because I remember listening to Canada's national anthem. And I knew that that in that moment wasn't what I had put my work in for. It wasn't to stand on the podium and listen to someone else's national anthem at the end. And that was, you know, kind of the beginning of, of my journey, which had a lot of bumps in the road on the way to gold. That's for sure. And what a great journey it's when, as you're listening to Gary Stein and Stevens, and we like to thank all of our listeners and viewers and everybody on podcast land, uh, ability media, welcome disability channel, our fans on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and welcome to all of our podcast listeners all over the world because we have a pretty decent show and we get some great guests and it's awesome to have John joining us today. And, uh, John, I, I, oh, we lost Dave. So, Oh, there you there go. There we go. Sorry. Uh, I want, I wanted to have you, uh, kind of explain a little bit again for people out there curling. Cause most people, when you talk about curling, they're used to this kind, you know, the 12 ounce kind that we do, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, there are obviously positions. There's the lead, there's the second, there's the third or the fourth, or you, I guess you call them the vice or vice skip or mate. So if you could kind of explain real quick the jobs of those four people and uh, just kind of tell us why they're so important. <laughs> I don't know about real quick, but I'll try to be quick. Uh, <laughs> so a curling team is four members that play on the ice and we have an alternate when we're at like an Olympic Games or World Championship that uh, does a lot of off the ice stuff and uh, rock matching night practice things. But uh, a lead on the curling team is the guy responsible for throwing your first two stones of every end. And each team in curling, you take turns with your opponent throwing uh, eight stones. So there's 16 in total. So the lead throws our first two stones, and then he sweeps the next six that our team throws. Um, and sweeping and curling, you can make a rock go further and straighter. And, and great sweepers can make a rock go anywhere from 10 to 15 feet further than it would have went had it not been swept at all. So um, it's a pretty important uh position and uh the second on the team he sweeps the leads two rocks and then he throws the next two stones for our team in our sequence and when he gets done throwing he him and the lead will sweep the last four rocks of the end uh together so the vice skips and the skip stones and then the vice skip 
or the third throws the third pair of stones for a team. And so he'll sweep the first four that they'll lead in the second throw. And then he throws his two, he or she, I guess, because there's women's curling as well. Um, and then they move to the house to hold the broom and call the last two shots that a team throws. Um, and the skip on the team is the guy is my job now. And that's in charge of calling the team strategy, putting the broom down that your guys are aiming at and kind of, you know, being the tactical leader for a team. And, and I call the first six shots that our team throws during the course of the end. And then I throw the last two. Um, and after the last two stones are delivered and both teams have thrown their stones, uh, that big target you see at the end, uh, that's called the house. And it's a 12 foot diameter target. Um, and if your stone is in the house at the end of the end, it's eligible to score a point. And just like bocce ball, instead of having a Polina, the very, very center of the house is always your target. And the team that's closest scores and you score as many points as you have closer than your opponent's closest stone that's in the house. Uh, but it has to be in the house to count. So those stones that you see sitting out in front, those ones don't count. Um, only the ones in the house. So uh, those are kind of the four jobs on a curling team and kind of the, the premise of the game. So the, mentality, so the mentality of uh, throwing, how hard you throw it, um, you know, the mental game, kind of talk about that. Yeah, so uh, in curling, if you throw a draw, which is a shot that stops on its own going down to the other end, uh, you throw it fairly lightly because you don't have to throw it that hard for a draw to stop um, and be, you know, in the house. Um, so a rock will actually curve if you give it, you know, clockwise rotation, the rock will curve to the right. And if you get it counterclockwise rotation, it'll curve to the left. And when you see us playing at international events, that might, it might curl or curve, you know, between four and six feet. Uh, when you play sometimes maybe in leagues and whatnot, you know, the ice can be a lot straighter than that. It does not quite as aggressive with curl. And the harder you throw it, the straighter it runs down the ice. So if you throw it really hard, uh, by the time your rock goes down and makes contact with another rock, you know, because peels, you can throw them, you know, where the shot only takes, you know, seven or eight seconds for the entire thing to happen. Those ones generally don't curve at all because the rock has so much momentum going forward that it doesn't have a time to uh, to take curl. So um, you call shots based on if you want a rock to curve or not coming down. And um, like even takeouts, you don't just throw them all crazy hard because the harder you throw it, the more accurate you have to hit it for your rock to stay. Um, and so, and the less control you have with brooms, because again, sweeping can make a rock also go straighter and the softer you throw it, the more control you have over the line with the brooms as well. Well, I know everything I never, ever needed to know about curling now. So thank you, John. But, uh, yeah, I'm you. just curious, <laughs> I'm just curious because it's not like you can go to Dick's Sporting Goods and get a stone or a sweeper or, you know, go to Home Depot and just get a regular broom. I mean, how do you nurture this sport? There's not a lot of ice places given, you know, I know there's some amazing ones in, in Minnesota, but it, it's not like it's a sport where you can just go and start playing. Yeah, but that being said, uh, for somebody to go try it or to play in a league that has a, a curling club, and whether that be a dedicated ice curling club like we have a lot of up here in Minnesota or, uh, or a curling club that plays on hockey ice that has curling circles under there. Uh, you really only need to have your body there for the first while until you really get into the sport. And then, you know, just like this day and age, we have uh, brooms, shoes uh, are really the only equipment you need because the curling stones are already there for you no matter where you show up because each club has their own set of stones that are to be used. 
Um, but those things can be purchased online very easily, just like uh, most things that people are buying this day and age. Well, speaking of buying things, we've got some great sponsors that, uh, of course, support Geary, Stein, and Stevens. So we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we'll dive back into John Schuster, get some uh, stories about these Olympic experiences and international. So don't go away. This is Pete Davidson from Manscaped. Manscaped. <laughs> Surprise your girlfriend. <laughs> Let's show them how hairless we could be, boys. Presentation matters. Don't make me get specific, because I will. Shave your dick. Shave it, baby. I got a hot date. Well, for some reason, our commercials are not playing today. So let's just go back right into the show. I apologize for that. We're trying to get some things fixed here. And again, this don't even start now. So let's just go back to the show for a second while we try to get that fixed. Uh, so, uh, John, as as we just, we're just trying to describe and discuss, we talk about our sponsors like Manscaped, which is of course uh, one of the great products you'll ever find. This little uh, this little baby here that uh, you can hear for those at home. Uh, it takes off the facial hair and it keeps me trim. And and you can also do the stuff uh, below. And and I guess yeah, the, the commercials were playing. So again, I'm having issues on my end. So I apologize for that. Um, but Manscaped is great. And if you go to Manscaped.com and type in the show code GSS show, you get 20% off of your orders. And like I said, you got the, the face trimmer, the nose trimmer. Uh, we've got the, uh, the ball spritzer and of course the deodorant that I use on those. So again, I don't know why the things aren't playing on my end, but at least, uh, you know, you got a good idea about products and you talk, John, uh, you, you actually now are what an underwear model. You've, you've got some things that have, uh, cropped up, no pun intended in your life. Uh, yeah, it's uh, that's the one thing with with curling becoming, you know, at least more Olympic mainstream is is we have, you know, sponsors and real sponsors coming in. But one that popped up last year was a, a Minnesota company that makes underwear and socks, uh, amazing stuff called Chill Boys. And uh, and so they were with us last year during the Olympics and then came back this year and said, we'd love to work with you guys again. And would you guys be interested in being in a commercial? And and Chris was doing all of the. Uh, the back and forth with those guys. And, and so, yeah, so we went and did this commercial we show up there and they hand us our wardrobe and it was a t-shirt and a pair of uh, boxer briefs. And, uh, and it was pretty funny because Chris was like, I'm sorry, guys, I did not realize this was going to be an underwear shoot. And, uh, and the rest <laughs> was history. We're underwear models. <laughs> That's awesome. During your gold medal run in 2018, you had a celebrity uh, guest that was kind of unusual. Can you talk about how Mr. T became a fan? Yeah, he well, I mean, he pitied the fool that uh, didn't watch curling. But, uh, you know, I think Mr. T is a big Olympic fan. You know, always has a lot of stars and stripes on his gear uh, when he's when he's on there. And and he started tweeting toward uh, toward the curling uh, being something that he was totally getting into. And and we had some phenomenal social media people that were working on our end uh, that kind of, you know, got that connection going and in kind of you know to the point where we were having back and forth with them on social media and and once you know mr t was one of the few people that gave us a pep talk before the gold medal game so uh it was it was a lot of fun and we got a chance to meet him i think fall that following april or may he was in washington dc and, and got a chance to meet with him and hang out with him a little bit and and we even had a little another meeting before this last olympic so it's been a it's been a fun relationship with mr t that's awesome man. And, you know and and again 
Curling has taken you all over the world. National championships, nine of them, uh, five Olympics. I, I guess you're going to be trying for your sixth. Not many athletes can say they do that. I mean, uh, you know, you got to carry the flag. What are some of the moments, you know, that this has taken you to that just really stand out? Uh, I mean, there's there's so many. But but for me, it's it's being with the other athletes from our country you know, this journey, each journey with, with every teammate I've had. And, and I've never had this exact same team at, you know, two Olympics in a row. So I've had a lot of teammates along the way, but, um, you know, walking in the opening ceremonies is always a huge highlight and, and every single time and, you know, carrying the flag was a little different this time, but, you know, to look around and, and see the first timers and feel what they're feeling. Like it's, you know, you got to walk in the opening ceremonies. I always tell people like it's your first. And, and when you walk in the closing ceremonies, you, you got to treat it like you'll never get a chance to do that again. And, um, and so I've really taken in, in those moments and, and obviously standing on top of the podium and hearing that national anthem that in 2006 was kind of what set the stage for, you know, me to, to give it a go at more of a curling career than, than I had through my first Olympics. Um, yeah, those are, those are some of the moments that stand out and, and obviously carrying the flag for, uh, for the U S delegation at this last Olympics, especially the fact that, you know, it was player voted on and my peers, you know, chose me to, to carry the flag along with, you know, it was Brittany Bow, but, um, or Alana Myers, who was supposed to carry the flag and, and to be chosen by your fellow athletes, uh, to do that for your country was, um, obviously the honor of a lifetime. Uh, early in your career before the, uh, gold medal success and stuff, uh, you, you have created a team called the rejects. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And how motivated were you to prove uh, some people wrong that uh, kind of doubted you? Um, you know, my motivation was never from proving anybody wrong necessarily. And the rejects name was given to us, you know, by, by the people. Um, so, but, you know, for me, when, when I didn't get selected to be on the national team, you know, following the 2014 Olympics, you know, I had a lot to do with, with the changes I thought that we needed to make to be competitive and it looked like we were going to be going down that path. So I was more disappointed than, than angry. Cause, cause I knew we were going to start making some of those changes, like having more accountability for your physical fitness part, which I had always lacked. And I was, you know, obviously prior to 2018, much heavier at all the Olympics, as you show these pictures, I see it. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I never really took it as, you know, I wasn't angry or, or looking for revenge. I just wanted to play myself and find teammates and hopefully there was enough of them that they didn't choose. And there ended up obviously being enough of them uh, between myself, Tyler, Matt, and John uh, to play ourselves back in to have those resources available to us. And, and from the time we got back into that program, even after the year of rejection, one thing it did was it built our fan base because a lot of people thought we were wronged within the curling community in our country. Uh, so we had more fans in our court than I think I had ever had in my career. And then uh, secondly was, uh, really, when we got back in, we had no hard feelings and we went straight to work with those same guys that that didn't pick us. And uh, and yeah, and, and we had a great run and and they definitely uh, helped us get to where we needed to get to to be able to bring that gold home. And, you know, uh, we have had NFL players dabble in the Winter Olympics before back in the day with Herschel Walker and uh, those guys that tried to run on the bobsled. But I understand uh, up in your neck of the woods, there's a former Viking that uh, thinks he can just jump on the ice, uh, Jared Allen. And uh, what's that all about? And, and is he uh, having any success? 
Uh, he's he's had limited success. He uh, I'm actually right now. I'm like so this is this is what Jared Allen is. I have I have him on my phone. He's uh, somebody who, you know, I can I can text with that kind of thing. If I send him a text message, I would almost guarantee he'll respond to me before we're done with the show today because he's just that great of a dude. Um, but he came on uh, as part of a bet. Uh, to see if he could make it to the Olympics and he picked the sport and he happened to pick badminton and then he realized that he wasn't the right that wasn't his right sport so then he was like oh maybe we'll try this curling thing and he pulled four guys who were former all pros in the NFL and they put a team together and then they realized that there's a huge learning curve um, as far as a lot of the tactical side but even right now uh, he's assembled a team of three pretty top curlers one the skip of that team is my third from the 2010 Olympics Jason Smith who also grew up in Chisholm with me and, uh, and two other guys, Hunter Claussen and Dominic Marquis. And Dominic was uh, the alternate on the team that won bronze for Switzerland at the 2018 Olympics. So he's got some world-class guys playing with him, and they're, they're all now living down in Nashville and training together and playing. And, uh, and yeah, and he's, he's, giving it a, he's definitely giving it a real go. It's not some, you know, sideshow publicity thing. Like, he legitimately has fallen in love with the game, just like, just like myself and all my teammates and people around the country have. And, and he's taking it as serious as as he probably took his NFL career and practicing every day and and pushing the guys around him to to get better. And it'll be see it'll be really fun to see um, how far he can take it in the next uh, in this next squad because they didn't get as far as they were hoping to in this last squad. Before we talk about the gold medal match, uh, I like to bring people back. You were two and four after the first six uh, matches in 2018, and you were facing elimination. How did you? Each day, you know, each game kind of keep your focus and stuff to even get to the medal round. A lot of people forget that you, you know, had a hard climb there to even uh, make the medal round. I don't think anybody forgets that. That's kind of part of the story, man. But no, um, what we what we did and me personally, because, you know, it was kind of my struggles that maybe made it more easily for us to be two and four. Um, but I just um, I decided you know, after a walk with my wife across the Olympic park and back pushing, you know, my kids in the stroller and, uh, that maybe I hadn't ever given my kids, uh, any great highlight reel material throughout my Olympic career, which is crazy. Cause I had a ton of success at the national level and I played well at world championships and I'd never really had, um, struggles anywhere other than the Olympics. And I think it's cause I cared too much. And my turnaround happened where I just decided I was going to give my kids three, games of me curling how i wanted to be how i wanted to play and who i wanted to represent and uh and if we could if i could give them those three games it wouldn't matter whether we won or lost and uh and i knew to do that i had to be the best teammate i could be and the one that i trained to be with my teammates and and i challenged them to do the same and uh and yeah and you know i i don't even remember ever having any you know, nervousness about wins and losses like I had for every other curling game I ever played at the Olympics. We were just going out there and, and having fun and, and being awesome teammates for each other and, and seeing what happened. And, and that's, and that's how we were able to kind of, we got that first win against Canada, which the U S had never beaten Canada and men's women's or anything uh, at the Olympics. And after we got that win, uh, you know, came out and, and played a great game versus Switzerland and, and the momentum got rolling and, and we carried it all the way to gold. Well, stay tuned with us. Do you have that gold medal anywhere near you, by the way? Where oh, is that thing? I, I can probably find it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll take one more break. Hopefully the commercials will play this time. Uh, we'll wrap things up and put a bow on it. This is Dave Stevens with Troy Geary and John Schuster, the Olympian. You're watching Geary, Stein, and Stevens. 
Hi again, everybody. Dave Stevens here for Manscaped. And you know, I've been in baseball for almost 40 years, despite not having legs. And I know what it takes to put in a good turf. And that's what Manscaped is all about. What Manscaped does is protects your boys down below, cleans them up, gives them that fresh cut feeling, and also you don't smell like a locker room after. And right now, Manscaped is offering the Performance Package 4.0. It's arrived and oh man, it's a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear, Nose and Hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance Boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all the goodies. So right now, if you'd like to save on Manscaped products, go to manscaped.com, type in the code GSS show, and you will save 20% on Manscaped products because Manscaped really works. And of course, you want your balls to feel as light as air. Okay, boy, I, we have got the bugs going on today uh, for our sponsors, and I apologize that, uh, but hey, you know what? The show must go on, and that means uh, we also have to talk about Fresh Clean Threads, uh, which is a great shirt. We've been wearing it, and if you want 20% off of the world's softest, comfiest, uh, best shirts, which again, I don't know why they're not playing today, but uh, they are great shirts. Fresh Clean Threads has your back, your front, and your sides. Uh, from Henleys to Polos to whole Tees, all those kind of things. And again, we apologize for our commercials not playing. I don't know what the bugs are, uh, but let's get back into the show as we wrap up. And John, um, hey, you know, you got things coming up. Uh, you know, where are we going to see you this year for the Olympics or championships or, you know, that pursuit that you're trying to do to take it to a record? I, I mean, six maybe there's a gymnast, maybe there's a, a, a skeet shooter, but I don't think there's a lot of Olympians that have gone six times. U.S. Oh, hey. In the winter for the U.S., there actually is one. Uh, Todd Lodwig, who is a uh, Nordic combined jumper, cross-country skier, went to six. So he's uh, he holds the record solo right now as far as winter Olympians from the U.S. go. So, um yeah, it'd be, uh, we're going to go hard to, to try to see if we can get back there. And, uh, and honestly, I think we're, we're still getting better as a team. We just got back from a trip in Scotland where we went and played and, uh, we made the playoffs, lost the quarterfinals, but, uh, it was a, it was by far the best start I've ever had to like an Olympic quad as far as, you know, we were playing well. Uh, we had great communication going. We have, uh, all five of our guys who are at the last Olympics, we're going to kind of rotate through because John Lansner and his wife just had a baby uh, right after we got back. So he didn't travel with us. So um, yeah, we're in, we're in great shape. And, and I think, you know, we're going to keep working hard and we still have a love for the game and a love for the travel part of it. And, uh, and yeah. And so this year our national championships haven't been announced yet. There'll probably be sometime in February. Uh, there's a chance curling night in America will happen, which, is a made for TV usually plays like Friday nights on uh, I think it's going to be on Peacock if it gets going this year. And uh, we have stops around the world curling tour that we play on uh, our first one that we play on this side of the ocean uh, is going to be the first last weekend in September, first week in October we're in British Columbia. Uh, then we're down in Denver for a mixed doubles tournament, myself and my new mixed doubles partner. And, and then we have, yeah, a bunch of places across um, the country in Canada and the U S and a lot of them have streaming of our games. 
So, you know, if somebody goes to like curlingzone.com and, and you can usually see some kind of streaming schedule, cause a lot of these clubs that we play in now are technically curling stadiums where you can watch every game on every sheet. So uh, people can definitely find way more easily than it used to be uh, what we're doing on a week by week basis. And we play eight to 10 events between usually Labor Day and the end of, and January 1st. I'm sure this is something that you uh, never get sick of talking about. But, uh, let's relive the gold medal match. Tied after seven. Uh, describe the feeling after you scored five in the eighth against Sweden. Uh, I mean, it was just surreal. Like, you know, probably jubilation. I, You know, when the game was over, even though they didn't shake and we played, you know, another end and a half, uh, being up five with two ends to play in a competitive game at that level is is over when it happens. So, um, for me, I just kind of, you know, got to my teammates and looked around and, and it was just kind of a wow moment. Just like, for me, it was more of a, this is what I set out to do, uh, back in 2006. And this is what this feels like. And I just, I just really tried to take that in and, uh, and yeah, and, and my teammates, I think, you know, probably all had a little different experience than I did, but. Um, it was an amazing, an amazing moment to share with, you know, some amazing teammates. And we're glad you shared some time with us today. I, I got to ask this question though, is, is, I mean, how do you work on your growth? Because, uh, there it is. Let's check out thing. That's what, let me put that back on. Yeah, the it's, it's, she's ahead. a little beat up. Put it's, that uh, up there. Needs some work here, but yeah, this is, uh, it's hard to not get the glare, but there it is. Men's curling. There it is. That is. <laughs> So, I mean, do you, do you keep the, the bronze one as like a, a doorstop since it's not gold? Or does it mean as much, you know, kind of thing? No, no, no. <laughs> it, it maybe doesn't have quite as nice of a case. and uh, But I like to take them both with because, you know, they're both, you know, Olympic medals. I mean, they're uh, they're all special. And, and yeah, it's, it's definitely not a door, doorstop. But, you know, if I bring two of them with and, you know, maybe take a picture with a couple of kids, they, they definitely aren't fighting over the bronze, so. I, I, if I were, I'd go into a pawn shop and film it and just see what those guys would do. If you kind of walked up and said, Hey, I got this gold medal. I'd like to, what can I get for it? You know, that kind of thing. But, uh, well, rumor has it that they, <laughs> uh, that they go for pretty good. So if I ever get to some spot in my life where, you know, I need to pay off some things for my kids or something, maybe, maybe, but I don't think it'd be a pawn shop. I think, I think we'd probably do some auctions somewhere because, because rumor has it kind of like famous medals that have underdog stories uh 1980 you know men's hockey for instance those those ones go for a little more so maybe uh maybe that'd be the case here too if, if need be someday <laughs> well we hope that the continued growth and success for the sport of curling and, and i gotta think too now that uh covid might have helped a little bit because we needed to look at other sports and things like that because i almost equate to curling is almost now like the uh the ice version of cornhole I mean, it's kind of, it's like anybody can play it. You can be a man or a woman. You don't need to have amazing skills. You do if you're getting to the Olympic level, but you can just go out, have fun and enjoy the sport. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. And it's curling, I think to me has always been like golf. Whereas, you know, anybody, any size, shape, stature, if you, if you work at it, you know, you go hit balls a few times, you can get the ball around the golf course and have some fun with it. And, and curling is the same way that you can, go out and once you learn how to play you can you know play more and more and and go out there and and have some fun with it but then you know to get to that next level 
you know, what percentage of people are going to ever make a PGA tour an LPGA tour kind of thing. And, and that's kind of where it's at with curling, but you know, for kids starting our game, because our numbers are so small, there, there's some pretty good opportunity for, for kids right now, um, you know, to go out and start curling and, and it would definitely be one of the, one of the places that a kid would have, if they took it seriously, one of the best chances to get to the Olympics, I think. Well, John, if you have uh, time to stick around, we're going to uh, take one more commercial break, come back, wrap up the show, and got a special segment that we want to play. So please, everybody out there, uh, I appreciate you guys, your support on all of the platforms that we do for Troy and Will and myself, and a special thanks to our sponsors, especially Manscaped and Fresh Clean Threads. And as we talked about earlier, you can get some great deals online at the websites for freshcleanthreads.com and for manscaped.com. We're going to try to play commercials again. Don't go away. This is Pete Davidson from Manscaped. Manscaped. Surprise your girlfriend. girlfriend. Let's show them how hairless we could be, boys. Presentation matters. Don't make me get specific, because I will. Shave your dick. Shave it, baby. I got a hot date. I've been using this guy long enough to where I think it's time we went into business together. Meet the new face, among other parts, of Manscaped. Fresh Clean Teas was a shirt company. Over the years, you've asked us for more. We've listened. And now we're entering a new era with a new name. It's time for us to officially be the brand you've helped us grow into. We believe in our basics, from the first thread to the final stitch. We always have, we always will. The only thing that's truly changing is our sense of adventure. We're expanding our lineup by developing new, exciting products that largely come from customer requests. Customers like you are a huge part of who we are and how we got here. So we're still gonna make fresh teas, but we're also gonna make a lot of new threads inspired by you. In short, we just want to make clothes that you want to wear. So we're an apparel brand now. Let us reintroduce ourselves. We are Fresh Clean Threads. That's right, Fresh Clean Threads with these beautiful shirts that they've been sending to Troy and us, and I keep wearing them out in public, and they look pretty good. They're not as good as the underwear that John is uh out there promoting but uh hey john uh before we wrap up um did did you what did you aspire to be when you were a little kid and where are you now so when uh when i was a kid i i was always huge into sports man i was i was at game seven of the 91 world series where the twins took down the braves in that 10 inning one nothing game and uh yeah i i really thought that I would love to take sports as far as I could possibly take it. And when curling kind of came along uh, and I actually went and saw the Olympic trials for it when I was in ninth grade and, uh, and then, you know, watching and playing and, and trying to take it, that's, I think it's kind of always what I wanted to do. And, you know, I, I knew that I had a great family life. Um, you know, I had parents that supported everything and continue to support everything I've ever done. And I knew I wanted to have a family too. And, and I've been, you know, blessed having a great wife who also supports, you know, my sporting dreams and ventures. And, and then we have a couple kids that we're doing the same for now. They're nine and seven years old. And uh, yeah, so I think I maybe didn't think enough about really what I wanted to do outside of sports. So maybe it's all I could do. I don't know. But um, but now that's taken me to a lot of places where, 
you know, I'm getting to share my story and, uh, and do some speaking around the country and, and have some other, some other random things happening. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm working with a, a new social media app that's going to be coming out here soon. And I'm not positive that I can say what it is, but when it does come out, maybe I'll have to come back on the show and tell you guys about it. It's going to be pretty exciting for the world of sports. So, um, yeah, so, you know, now curling has also offered me some other opportunities besides, you know, just being on the ice and representing the country and, um, making a nominal amount curling. Cause we're definitely not professional athletes making, uh, making living wages out here. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate you, John, having us on. Uh, we have one more thing we're going to go on the show, but uh, John, thank you so much. Best of luck into the future. And uh, you're so close to Troy. When are you guys going to have lunch? Hey, I'll, I'll meet you in about uh, 45 minutes here. Maybe uh, a <laughs> right. picnic or something or what? Let's do it. I'm good. I'm good. You sure? <laughs> All right. That is Olympic gold medalist John Schuster joining us today on this Geary Stein and Steven show. John, thank you so much. Best of luck in the future. And uh, hey, it doesn't get much better than that than having an Olympian on our show. Uh, you know, Troy, people don't uh, respect curling. I think it's a cool sport. I've been watching it. So it's been great to uh, to have that be a part of it. And and we have one little, little thing we're kind of jamming into the show. Uh, if you follow football and the great story of Shaquem Griffin, he was the football player that uh, was born without on arm. He played three years in the NFL with the Seattle Seahawks. And then I think last year with the Miami Dolphins, he has decided to call it an end of his career. I've been blessed to have interviewed him a couple of times. We have a couple of those quick interviews and then Troy will come back and share our final thoughts because uh, again, we try to showcase some of the most amazing stories you can ever see in sports. And my life happens to have been a part of that. So stay with us. Here is Shaquem Griffin after a couple of football games. Dave Stevens for the Disability Channel, and uh, I don't get to have many role models that I look up to, but it's pretty cool. We got the only guy in college football that ever played without legs, and I tried it for the Dallas Cowboys, but I'm with the man is the only NFL player who's missing a hand, and, uh, you know, you don't realize it because you're such a good football player. Uh, Shaquem, what's it like to, uh, first, congratulations on your big win. Uh, how do you feel about that today? Oh, I feel good. I mean, um, obviously, we didn't come out with a win last week, but for us to be able to bounce back and be able to sh show what kind of ball that we can play, you know, it's always a good feeling. So, you know, we're gonna definitely going to be able to get on this plane and take the coach's seat on the ride home. So that's always a good thing. Now, are people still fascinated by this and, and the fact that you have made it so far when so many people would just give up and walk away and just kind of live their lives feeling sorry for themselves? I mean, uh, some people are surprised, but I think a lot of people are starting to get a hang of it now, you know, after, after one year already. Um, but, you know, I still got a lot of people that need to see more. Uh, I got to show a lot of people because, you know, obviously it, there's, still, there's still things that need to be done. There's still things I need to be able to contribute, especially to the team and being able to show everybody that no matter what you have, you can always play. I've thought about that the same way all my life by playing sports. But, you know, the thing is, this is our normal, and people don't understand that they label that word, you know, what's what's normal, what's normal. This has been the way you know how to live your life, and I don't think people understand what normal really is. Uh, exactly, and, you know, it, it's kind of crazy because, you know, when it comes to playing football and everybody just see me playing with one hand, it was like it's, it's abnormal. It's like you've never seen it before. So, you know, for me to be able to be here today and be able to showcase my talents without having a hand, it's like it doesn't matter what you have. If you can play ball, you can play ball. And it's still surreal to a lot of people because it's like it's never been seen before, but, you know, they have no choice but to see it now. 
my philosophy is I'm a rock star because they're going to stare at us anyway. So I've always tried to rise my game and the things I've done. Have you felt like that all your way, all your uh, life? I, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's a positive standpoint and, and a negative standpoint to it, but it's all how you handle it, you know, personally. And I feel like throughout the negative, negative stuff, I was able to use that as fuel as fire to get to where I need to go. And for the positive standpoint, when you say everybody's looking, you know, enjoy it. Take it all in. Just keep doing what you're doing and keep being a baller. How do you want your legacy? I call mine my legacy, but how do you want your legacy to be uh, when you walk away from this game? Uh, I just want to make a big impact. I want to be able to, to show kids or anybody who have dreams, aspirations to be great, just to be able to push themselves to make sure they get it done. Uh, no, don't allow anybody to dictate what you're going to be in life because at the end of the day, it's up to you uh, to dictate what your life is going to be like. And that just giving your full effort 100% 100% of the time. I always say, I hate that word disabled. A car is disabled. Your resume, your handicap, they look at that and they go, that's not a guy that's a handicap. I mean, we're limb different. I mean, how would you describe yourself? Uh, definitely uh, not disabled or handicapped. I mean, I can do anything I put my mind to. And it's kind of crazy because people throw it around like it's, it's just a, a normal word. But, you know, for us, it's like you put limitations on us. On, on us. And we don't put limitations on, our, on ourselves. So, you know, when you hear it, it's just like, uh, you know, it's okay for you to say it. But just know that we don't like it. Like, um, so... At the end of the day, it's just me being able to not worry about what they're saying and still just focus on me and focus on what I need to do and focus on setting that example for everybody else that's going through the same thing as me. Final question, camps like Nubability, uh, organizations that are letting kids see a guy like this, a role model like you, a role model like a Jim Abbott, that they can do anything in life. What do you think you want people to see that are disabled that know that, hey, just go out there and do what you can, and you never know what's going to happen. Fight for what you want. You know, give everything you got. You know, never allow yourself to say that something's too hard for you not to be able to finish. You know, nothing is hard. It's only a challenge. And I think for everybody, they need to be able to see it that way. Don't think it's something hard. Think it's a challenge and be able to beat that challenge and then go to the next challenge and beat that too and be able to, to focus on what you want in life and just keep fighting for it. You know, it's always going to be barriers in front of you, but it's always a way to beat it. So just do it. All right. We got two legs, three arms, and a couple of guys that have overcome a lot, right? All right, Shaquem, thanks so much for your time. Best of luck. It's awesome to see what you're doing. So, All right, let's send it back to you guys. I can't hear you, Dave. There I'm we just, go. I'm, I'm just, uh, this is a tough one out of the gate today. What I was saying is uh, Shaquem's career is done, but Roger Goodell has asked him to be a part of the NFL and uh, started an initiative to help players stay within the game, but look at more aspects and inclusivity. And uh, he was such an inspiration that I got to see him a couple of times in play and uh, not a career as long as we wanted, but still an impactful one. Yes, very, very good uh, inspirational guy, and I'm glad the NFL decided to bring him on board and kind of spread the message there. Yeah, the league needs that because, uh, again, they, they talk about diversity and inclusion, but they forget guys like uh, me and others out there that have overcome so much and love the, uh, the world of football. So, Troy, as we wrap up, how are all your fantasy teams doing, looking, going into week one, and are you excited? Well, I, I, I'm set with, I think, five. Uh, Ryan Ripken just asked me to join one of his leagues. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be busy trying to fill out lineups and stuff in the next day or two, uh, trying to get that first win of the week. All right. Well, for uh, Will, who's out on assignment, wherever Will is, I'm Dave Stevens. For Troy Geary, we apologize. 
ghosts and goblins today on the commercials. But again, thanks to our sponsors, Manscaped, Fresh Clean Threads, uh, Pro Stance, uh, Coca-Cola, FanDuel, uh, your home number one source, all these guys uh, that is uh, supporting Geary, Stein, and Stevens. And everybody out there listening and watching on all the platforms, as we said, you can find us everywhere. And we've also got great products like, oh, our Manscaped. Can you see my shirt? Troy, do you see what you see? What yeah, you got I, I so, do see it. It looks great. There we go. So we got products. We got the Geary, Stein, and Stevens shirts. That you guys can, uh, again, our, our listeners can't see, but our viewers can see these beautiful shirts that are the hottest tickets out there. So for Troy, I'm Dave Stevens. We will continue to have amazing guests on Geary, Stein, and Stevens. So follow us on all social media platforms. Until next time, America. Goodbye.